0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Welcome back to Rudy's Golf in Kingstown, Alexandria. We're Grant and Danny. You are listening live to the fan on a football Thursday. Getting you ready for Thursday night pigskin tonight. We'll be out here at Rudy's Golf until 630. Looking forward to seeing you. Please stop by and say hello when you come out. Come up to the table and uh, kick it with us during our breaks. Uh, we got to congratulate caller number 10 right now at 800-636-1067 because they are winning two tickets to see the Capitals on January 3rd coming up at Capital One Arena. They're taking on the Devils for tickets and an entire cap schedule. Go to thefandc.com slash contest courtesy of the Washington Capitals. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. We'll cover the Wizards in a moment, the Commanders as well, but let's get things started right now. We got to begin on the ice. Last night was brutal, Vogues. I guess I picked the wrong night to have four of my buddies over to watch the game and order pizza. Oh, you hate to see it. Pizza and wings. One of the bastards was a Rangers fan, no less. That was. I didn't know any
3: Ranger fans. Yeah,
2: that was really tough. How are you, Vogues? Last night was an ugly one.
4: Yeah, it was. It was a tough one for sure. Uh, didn't start out that way, but yeah, once. Um, uh, you know, six bad minutes there in the middle of the of the second period, and it slipped away from him. And I, you know, I thought Tom Tom Wilson's comment after the game was pretty insightful. It's it's a momentum-driven building, uh, is what he said, and, and it, you, you hear it every time you're there. Um, that the crowd has a l- little bit of an impact on on the game there, maybe more so than than most other barns around the league. Not not saying they won the game for him or anything, but. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that, that the Rangers give them credit to, because they have not lost to the same team twice yet this season. Um, and they every time they've lost a game, essentially, they've they've come back. they've, they've lost two, uh, two consecutive regulation games once all season. There's a reason that they have the best record in the league. and And I think they were smarting from how the caps kind of dismantled them. Uh, in Washington about two and a half weeks ago. So, you know, ugly loss to be sure. Guys definitely didn't feel good about it after the game. Um, but they have still pulled points in uh, eight of their last ten, and they've yielded two or fewer goals against in six of their last nine. So it comes down to the same old thing that we've been talking about. I feel like just the start of the season, they got to find a way to score more than two pucks. Uh, Every night, you know, they, they've been there's too many games where they can't even get to two.
3: They are in Long Island. Notice I refuse to say on Long Island. It's not special. It's not different. It's just another location. You would never say they're on Virginia or on New Jersey. Anyway, they're yeah. in Long Island tomorrow night. Vogues, tell us about it.
4: Uh, you know, that, that's going to be an interesting one, I think, Danny, because, uh, again, it, the Islanders, uh, they, they probably took a worse beating than the Caps did. Last night, they gave up six goals in the second period to Pittsburgh, and uh, suffer a seven nothing drubbing in front of the home crowd. Um, their worst beating in I think 23 years. So it was the first time they've given up uh, six goals in a period in 23 years, and uh, that was that was to Pittsburgh as well. So uh, I think they're going to be playing with some snarl tomorrow night too. It's it's the fourth of of the four meetings between the two teams this season. And they've all come in a compact period of time, and so when that, whenever that happens, you you can um, tempers tend to flare a little bit, as as they did uh, in Washington uh, middle of last week when when the Caps uh, took down the Islanders 3-2 in overtime on the strength of a Dylan Strom power play goal uh, in overtime. So you know the Caps for them, it's it's just about continuing to pull in the points while they're trying to solve their offensive woes. Um, today they, they uh, practiced with Max Pacioretty uh, and they moved Connor McMichael to the middle of the line with Ovechkin and uh, Tom Wilson. So they have tweaked things a little bit, but I would caution that it, it doesn't sound as though Pacioretty a sure thing. Uh, to play tomorrow night, they, what they wanted to do was to get him, both him and Ethan Bear, some actual practice reps. You know, because typically, if you're not practicing on a, a pair or a line, you don't get uh, the, the same number of reps. You don't get as many reps. So, I think with both of those players, Bear and Pacioretty, they'll be in the lineup soon, but
2: possibly, flash, probably not as soon as
4: tomorrow night.
2: Vogues, you mentioned Ethan Bear. It's now official, kind of the worst-kept secret in Arlington, I guess, <laughs> that he's been uh, training with the team. But uh, tell people about their new defenseman. He gets a, a multi-year contract, I believe, as well.
4: Yes, he got a two-year deal. He's 26 years old. Uh, that that deal will carry an average annual value of just over two million dollars a year. Uh, right-handed defenseman, so he instantly becomes. The fourth right handed defenseman on your team, which is a little bit of uh, a surplus or a luxury. Most, you know, a lot of teams don't have as many as three. Some only have a couple or one. Um, Right handed defensemen are are in demand in the league. Bear's a good two way defender. He's a guy who can supply a little bit of offense. Um, He's a guy who's, you know, pretty good at laying the body, too. The other thing um, that's pretty obvious and pretty necessary from Washington's standpoint is. At 26, he instantly becomes
5: the youngest
4: guy on the right side where uh, the other three guys, uh, John Carlson, Trevor Van Riebstyke, and Nick Jensen are all a couple of years past 30. So he makes them a little bit younger on that side, which which I think is a good thing. The way I look at this, it, it gives them a little bit of flexibility. They don't have to trade one of those right-handed defensemen who are already here, but they could. Um Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdijk has the capability of moving pretty seamlessly to the left side. So, you know, they could could, uh, theoretically play with all four of them in the lineup. But uh, I think what he does is turns back the clock a little bit uh, on the blue line. If you think back to last year at the trade deadline when they shipped Dmitry Orlov out and brought Rasmus Sandin in, they essentially turned back the clock about eight years on a – left-handed defenseman slot by by making those that series of trades that accomplish that and so this is a little similar uh jensen uh tbr are both signed for a couple more years as is carlson um but they've got some options and some flexibility back there now uh and they're they're back to again carrying uh eight blue wires
3: so Sorry, folks, my fault. Uh, I didn't mean to jump in on there. I always appreciate the time, man. Talk soon. Yep. Good talking to you guys. Thanks. You too, buddy. Thank you. How about the roommates at the uh, Capitol Warner Arena? How oh, buddy right, Dave Johnson, play by Playboys for those Washington Wizards? Dave, Wizards were in the game in Toronto, and then the second half happened. What went wrong? Yeah, well, I'll tell you why. And by the way, Mike Vogel,
1: uh, for years, the an anchor of sports. When I talked about the Capitals, I just stole his stuff. So you always get the best people on. So I, I appreciate coming on after Mike Vogel. <laughs> Hey, hey, listen, if you're going to win in this league, uh, let me give you a headline flash here. Your best players, uh, like a Kyle Kruiser, have to make shots, have to have big games. And and it just didn't happen last night. Look, look, look at the turnover number. It was a competitive game, but it just got away from the Wizards because uh, we can X and O and dance all over the street. But but somebody, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kruiser, they, they needed to to provide some points. Uh just like the big guns OG Ananobi, uh, Siakam, et cetera, were, were providing for the Raptors. So uh, it, it's, you know, <laughs> so many things we talk about in basketball, but if but if you don't score enough, you're not going to win. And and that typically has not been uh, the Wizards, Wizards' problem. And listen, uh, you know, 130 points now in the new NBA is is like an average score. It's crazy. I mean, we talk about great defensive efforts when you hold a team to 115. So uh, look, we could talk about it, it. The Wizards could have done better on defense, but you know what? Second half, they just, they just didn't keep up with the scoring in my mind. And, and, you know, it, it was disappointing, uh, but it was a second of back to backs I know it sounds like I just made an excuse there, but I do believe this team, if you look at the hole, if you look at the Pacers, the Blazers game, uh, the Suns, uh, the Warriors two points of halftime, what we want to see is, is a team that is getting better. I believe there's metrics that show that. And you were about to turn the page, and I'd like to see, you know, we've got five wins so far. Let, let's try to get five wins in January, because along with these metrics and, and these inside ways you grade a team that's rebuilding, it also helps to win to validate all that work they're putting in.
2: No doubt about that. One of the ways that I'm going to look to, to validate the process here is the development of Bilal Kulabali who hit it three last night, was four of eight from the floor. I think he had 10, four, and two in 25 minutes. Uh, when can I expect his role to really grow, like, nightly? When is it reasonable to start asking, you know, 30-plus minutes? They've really been careful with him. But at some point this year, I'd like him to hit the gas pedal. Well, you know what? That,
1: that's a really good question. In fact, you know what? I'm going to ask that of Wes Unseld tomorrow. Uh, to be honest, it, it's something, you know, we haven't brought up with him in, in a while. So, uh, how about that? I'm, I'm answering your I like question it. with a question. No, but that's no, no. That's a great question because uh, you know again you talk about metrics and this and that. How you evaluate? Bilal Kula Bali is having a very good year, but it, it would be you know uh, probably even a better year with some of the numbers if, if you're getting more minutes or, or more of a, a roll. So uh, that's that's a good question. So um, next week when we talk, I'll have an answer, or we'll have it for you tomorrow in the, the Wizards pregame on Team 980, and I'll email you the answer. How's that? But that, that's a great question. I don't have the answer to that. Uh, but, but he uh, the key thing that the listeners need to know from him is he's getting some of the top guarding assignments uh, night in and night out when he's out on the floor, and you know what? He looks like he belongs. And I'm talking, and again, I'll get back to Giannis' quote. Uh, don't, don't buy Dave Johnson's word for it. Giannis believes that the sky's the limit for, uh, for Bilal Kulabali. But a great question by you and, and one that will be
3: uh, asked tomorrow, Worsansell Jr. Dave, pleasure as always, man. Talk soon. All the best. Thanks, guys. Thank you, my friends. Hit that, team. That's only got eight more quarters left of Ron Rivera. Commanders. All right, I got Earl Forsey. My guy shot out of a cannon. It's Stone Cold's music. Earl, would you have benched Sam Howell for Jacoby Brissett?
6: Sure. Why not? Anything. <laughs> uh, Rearranging deck chairs, Danny. It doesn't matter. At this point, you know, I, I'm listening to Dave talk about the Wizards, who have five wins. The Commanders only have four. They drafted Bilal Koulibaly. Looks pretty good. So the Wizards now have more wins, and they're drafting better than the Commanders. That, that's where we are with Scary. this team. No, I don't think it matters much. You know, you know this stretch with, with the finish with San Fran and Dallas, I mean, who cares? It's really, at, at this point, you, you just hope they don't screw up screwing up as far as the draft position they almost did. Um, you know, here's the thing with this though w- with Ron and this goes back to just the the mixed messages and the lack of just everything it seems from him whether it's front office drafting, coaching that he, he you know, this Rivera era is ending. And Ron, you guys know, and I've talked about this on Countdown and Kickoff a lot. He's got a lot of friends around the NFL. Remember when he first came in? Michael Silver was the guy, that, the former Sports Illustrated writer. His buddy from Cal uh, brought in as a writer. He has a lot of friends around the NFL. He's a made man in the NFL. Even some of that goodwill has been waning in recent weeks as people really look at this objectively and say, "Wow, this is awful." I mean, and now this week you've got San really, and now you've got San Fran coming in. I expect like a three, four sack Chase Young game this weekend how about that
2: that would be poetic. really, really hey, bad hey,
6: here's the other thing too yesterday I wanted to bring this up the, the presser yesterday to announce the starting quarterback I don't know if you saw it right from the beginning Ron sits down and he just looks like this dumbfounded stare into the he had a wait to be asked from Kime, what's the decision on the starting quarterback why wouldn't you just sit down and say you know, we made up our mind. Jacoby's our starter right now. Any questions? No, he's just sitting there waiting to be asked about it. I mean, it's just—it's all dumbfounding to me.
2: Oh, the last two weeks, your—I liked your line. I may steal that. Where you said, uh, "As long as they don't screw up, screwing up." What do yeah. you expect from Jacoby Brissett and this team? I'm a little worried about them doing <laughs> the right thing against the Cowboys in Week yeah. 18
6: that's where we are right now it's like oh well, I kind of worry you might play pretty decent yeah no what do you think Grant I mean uh you know uh, Bosa on the other side of Chase young I brought up that chase now, I'm not, has not as worried about huge the San numbers. Francisco game like the, yeah. the
2: Dallas game is if you they don't, don't need it that's the one that worries me a little bit
6: Jar Ger- Ger- would love to, to lose that one wouldn't he at the end probably I and mean, who knows if it means anything for them I look the odds are they're gonna they're gonna lose these two and finish with you know at least a number three pick which Here's the other thing with a franchise over – and I'll go back to the 70s with it, but things normally don't work out. When they need teams to lose, they win. When they need things to happen – you know, last few weeks, the teams they've needed around them to lose to help their – have all done it. They're all giving the commanders help at this point, and you're up to three now. There was this report from Dan Graziano that they are, quote, very interested in Caleb Williams, who's probably going to be the number one overall pick. Who knows where that's coming from, because I, I would think the people who are going to make that choice aren't in place yet. But to do that, you're probably going to have to move up to number one. Because here's the deal. Everybody's all excited about you know being in the number three spot. Chicago has the first pick, and they may very well go quarterback. And if that's the case, then you're going to settle for the second guy, which is going to be Drake May. Do you want Sam Howell 2.0 with the third pick? And You may not get that because someone's probably going to move up to number two. If they know you're sitting there on a guy – Uh, Whoever else wants a quarterback may move up. Now we know the the Denver Broncos are going to be looking for a quarterback. So there's so much, you know, so many moving pieces on this thing. I, I would expect Jacoby Brissett to do what he does. He's, 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 he's a pro's pro. He's a, you know, a kind of a, a prototypical kind of backup quarterback, good size, decent enough arm, you know, he can move a little bit. So he'll be competent. And it's something that Sam Howell really for a month or so has not been and, you know, any given Sunday, you, you just never know what can happen. But we, we all know that the best-case scenario is for them to lose this week and next week, and let's go into the offseason. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and, you know, uh, look forward to a lot of money to spend in high draft pick.
3: Earl, there it goes. Yeah, thank you as always, buddy. Be well.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Earl Forsey's music. That's your Beltway Blitz on Grant and Denny. I actually want to get into something he just mentioned. We haven't talked about it today. These rumors over the weekend – that the commanders are very interested in Caleb Williams. Let's talk about that next. Plus, does another benching for Sam Howell this past weekend, and now turning to Jacoby Brissett, mean that he is not the answer? Do you agree with the idea that if he isn't good enough, that they could just play him against San Francisco, then they can't plan on starting him next season when someone else comes in here? We'll tackle that as well. Live from Rudy's Golf in Kingstown, we're Grant and Danny on the fan.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: I-, I try to check in with him every week, you know, talk with him whenever I got a chance, see how he was doing. And he's such a, a, a positive-minded, strong-willed young man that... that um you know, he seemed to handle those situations pretty good. And, 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 you know, maybe this is just me wanting to take care of him, you know, and, and make sure he does get a chance to just reflect.
2: Ron Rivera speaking with the media when he made the decision that he was going away from Sam Howell and he was turning the offense over to Jacoby Brissett. Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan. We're at Rudy's golf. In Kingstown, Alexandria, they've got a two-level driving range, Top Tracer technology, multiple putt-putt courses, and a great restaurant as well. they got a full bar. Rudy's Golf, the new go-to spot for golf and entertainment. We
3: were here yesterday. Not you and me, but the Rudy fan was here yesterday. The boys were hacking and whacking, knocking some golf balls. My, uh, my youngest son was excited. He broke the 60-yard mark with his driver. He was pretty pumped about that yesterday. That was a big achievement for him. Uh, and they ate a lot of fries. Perfect, man. Great afternoon.
2: I want to get into a question that we've been pondering and we're going to take calls on here, which is Sam Howell's benching and what it means for his future. Is it disqualifying as far as him being the week one starter next year? What does it mean long term? But before we do that, Earl just brought something up on the Blitz. And I don't know how much of this you saw, Danny, but – There was a report, if you want to call it that. It was more just like, you know, throwing out things that I'm hearing kind of uh, reporting Uh from Dan Graziano. He wasn't going hard in the paint. But Graziano suggested that the commanders are in on Caleb Williams. And he says, look out for Washington and Caleb Williams at the top of the draft board. I'm told they really like him. Well, my question is. Who? Who is they? Who's they? None of the football people are here yet. Eight quarters. If they know who their general manager is right now, please tell me who that's going to be. It's possible, I guess, that they do, and that GM really likes Caleb Williams. But this idea that the commanders are very interested in him, who, Marty Herney, yeah, Martin Mayhew, Ron Rivera, none of their opinions matter at all. Now, if you're saying it's Josh Harris or Magic Johnson or Mitchell Rails or something, that's important. Uh, That's a, a good nugget. But then tell me commander's ownership or or someone who's going to be there. I mean, to to my knowledge, the vast majority of – they may keep one or two of these guys around, but the front office is going to be completely restructured, presumably. I know there's some thought because someone along the way at some point said, hey, I I think these guys kind of like Marty Herney as someone they can bounce things off of, that maybe he's going to stay. I I wouldn't bet on that. But who is they when you're saying that the commanders are very interested, they really like Caleb Williams – he went on to say, watch what they do with Sam Howell over the next two weeks. I don't know what that means. That was after. you know they'd already decided to bench Sam Howell.
3: I'll go ahead and watch that, I the guess. The
2: commanders could find themselves in a position to either draft Williams or trade up a spot or two to get him. Sure, yeah, no, no kidding. But I, I just wonder what that means. And, I, frankly, I don't want it to mean ownership because I don't want the owners to be deciding who the quarterback is before the GM gets here. That's very Dan Snyder, David tepper in any way.
3: Yeah, I played that. I, I've done the Yacht Pick thing. Please and thank you. Oh, or actually, no thank you. Um, yeah, they is the entire crux of that. If it's the coaching staff, I do not care. If it's this makeshift front office, I do not care. I don't care what their opinion is. They, I, I, I care where their next stop is going to be. I care you know, uh, that I got a good recommendation on Metropolitan Moving and Storage to pack their stuff up when they leave town. Here, here. But I don't care about their evaluations of anybody. And by the way, they, they like the, the best player in the draft. They're excited about the number one overall pick. They're interested. Very strange to me, that entire, that entire report. So, Good point.
2: Yeah, He is projected to go 1-1. He is presumed to be everybody's favorite quarterback in the class. And they, I'm using air quotes here, but the report is that the commanders like him. Okay. Yep. Bet you there are 31 other teams that like his tape a little bit. I do want to shout out really quickly Money Metal Chris. It's his birthday, number one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. His lady was kind enough to bring us delicious pie and it's come true. stop by and That's say hello. That's all true, yeah. Uh, he, he's going above and beyond. The sun is gl- is low enough now that it was really in my face. You know
3: what's crazy is this has not happened once since we've been here.
2: I agree. Has it's it never, never, yeah. it's never happened, right? Not that I've noticed. And
3: for whatever reason today, we've got a window, probably about 35, 40 minutes, where – I'm getting hit a little bit. You're getting hit a lot. But this is – It is a flood of sunlight This is the
2: kind of guy he is. This is how I would describe him. I didn't say anything about it. He just noticed, I guess, that, like, someone was, like, reflecting a watch right off my face constantly. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of stood up initially with his hand, and now he's just blocking the sunlight. He's just standing against the wall. He's setting a
7: screen
3: against the sun.
2: Quite literally. Yeah. He's boxing out the sun. Like, I'm I'm tempted to, to
3: run a curl right off this thing and look for a layup. Right? If my point guard's got his dribble alive and has his eyes up, it's an excellent score. This is Marching Gortat, prime pick and roll with John Wall type stuff. boy,
2: right money metal, Chris. Well and happy birthday to you. Uh, does Sam Howell's benching mean he's not going to end up being the answer? So uh, it is my belief, based on the conversations I've had with folks who know the thinking out in, in Washington, that uh, in Ashburn, I should say. Uh, Washington, as we found out a week or two ago, doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, there's Apparently, no V in DMV. We're not a region, obviously. Uh, but out in Ashburn, Virginia, where the team tra- trains, um, their perception is This is just a roadblock He's yeah. going to sit He'll, be, He'll be better for it Sure, It's not going to change how anyone feels about him No one should feel like Sam Isn't a possible long term starter I don't think both can be true That he can be sat because he's so terrible And they can plan on starting him next year Now a few people have brought up Kirk Cousins to me When he got benched in 2014 by Jay Gruden And then they named him the starter prior to the 2015 season. And he was named the Associated Press's most improved player. And he's become one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league in all the years as a full-time starter in D.C. and in Minnesota since. And while that's not a terrible comp, I guess, because he was struggling, not a Howellian-type level of struggling, but he was playing poorly and throwing picks, and they benched him, and he didn't play again. Here's the difference. you know, On that roster, they had a top three pick that was going to get back on the field. They initially went to Colt McCoy in that Monday night game against Dallas, but then eventually Griffin got another opportunity. Cousins was kind of a mid-round guy who wasn't – we weren't told all season, he's the answer. He was playing because Griffin went down in the Jacksonville game, and then you know we kind of – I think in, in D.C. and in the coaching staff, as a fan base, we kind of saw something where you go, this might work. And they kept playing him because he might have been the best quarterback on the roster at that point. But he was still viewed as a, if this works, it's awesome, probably not going to be your long-term starting quarterback. Very different to me than Sam Howe all year long, starting every single game, the whole season being his. That would be the equivalent of if Cousins got the shot in 15 and was yanked in back-to-back games and then benched for Colt McCoy when the job was his. like The job wasn't his. He was one of three guys in a quarterback carousel who got benched. So I don't really know of many examples, and if you got one, tweet me, at Grant H. Paulson, where the rug was pulled out after a 15-game sample of a guy who played this badly over a couple of weeks, where the the team completely reversed how they were talking about him publicly. Went from, we got our answer, he's the long-term QB, to... He's so bad, we're afraid what happens if he plays against a good San Francisco defense. It just – I don't know that there's a precedent for him just hitting reset in week one next year. So I do view this as Howell is now the backup probably next season, and you need another starter. Whether that's Jacoby, worst-case scenario, you do the thing you and I hate, Mm -hmm. or whether that's drafting, which is my preference – Jaden Daniels or Drake May would be my ideal choice if they got the number two or number three pick and he fell into their lap. Like, if they're able to do that and then keep Sam Howell, like, my perfect scenario is just the full North Carolina quarterback room where it's, it's uh, Sam and Jacoby and Drake May. Like, those three guys next year, let's because run that. You to have back. some
3: old, fun ACC conversations? But yeah, the, Grant, the closest comp is Griffin in 2013, what we should have known then. When they couldn't play him the last three games because, like, some weird decision by Shannon, they're like, well, he might not have Jordan Reed, so he can't be on the field because it'll be such a disaster. That should have been our flare gun up in the air going, oh, my God, he's irrevocably broken.
2: You know what's funny about that is they kind of said the same thing when they benched him. Like, we need to protect him. He's right? taking too many hits. That's and the first thing I thought like, of. well, wait a second. He's taking the hits because of his own doing. And what, what do you mean? You're pro- like, this is not about the O-line, you know, and those guys were, I remember being on that beat. Like, the the way it was couched by Shanahan publicly, different than how Mm -hmm. they all knew he felt behind the scenes. But it was basically like, hey, we're just not doing a good enough job to help him. We got to shut him down. And he just said what he had to say, I think, to not get crushed. But still insane that the rest of the team was really upset and going, you're really throwing us under the bus this, here? This
3: part's our fault. It, to me, it mirrors it. And, you know, 2014, we went in still thinking he'd have a chance and it'd be a bounce back here, and there was still hope there. And then, of course, that Jay Gruden, this guy starts, then that guy starts, then Colt starts, and as soon as Colt can play, he's healthy, I'm going to go with Colt again. We're
2: Colt. there. Well, I, that's actually very true. Yeah. I was going to say, where there's still people in 2014 who were oh, yeah. convinced? So we there's still know. people today and that's my point. that we think didn't. Robert Griffin could play. We
3: should have known at the end of 2013 that it was over. It was a disaster. Idiots like me held on deep into 2014 still thinking that it would come back around and of course it did and it was over this is over it's over i feel bad i feel awful i you know whoever you want to blame for us being here we're here
2: chicken or the egg though over because look he was drafted in the 5th round 5th round picks almost never become the guy like was he not good enough or did they break him and and when i say did they break yeah. him no, i know what you mean the part of that is his own doing we'll, yes. we'll get to a blame pie later in the show but uh, did he get broken by the hits, by the sacks, by seeing the ghosts, like chicken or the egg, was Sam Howell never going to be a long term starting quarterback because he's not good enough to be? Or was he actually good enough to be a long term starting quarterback? And it just so happened. It's, it's a great question. That they did a really terrible job developing him and, and he paid the price based on his own play and how they did it. So I think
3: about it like I, I think about uh, uh, weight loss. There are certain people that if you get on a diet, it's going to go great. Then there are other people like me that have the slightest proclivity that if there's a little bit of, da- little bit of cookie in the house, the slightest bit of pretzel in the house, I'm going to go to- right to hell. That's what this is.
2: Denzel Washington staying in the hotel room before his big hearing in flight. Have you seen that movie? I haven't, no. Uh, well, He's up by the alcohols? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, has a hard time with alcohol, mm-hmm. and he's done a great job for a few weeks keeping clean. And then he's in a hotel room where there's like a full refrigerator bar. Just a bar. bar, yeah. And he wakes up the next morning and all the glass bottles are everywhere and it's, it did not go well. He's like, whoopsie-daisy,
3: i got to fly this plane. Uh, but that, that's what it is to me. Like he, I, I do think he could have been a lot better. Like, cause we, I saw some of those good things. They, they happened. I'm aware that they happened. Okay,
2: and then if, why can't they hire Ben Johnson, bring him in, and say fix him? It's, it's over now. It's too late now.
3: The, the, the breaking has happened. The J. Patrick Ramseying, the David Carring, whatever this is, he can't punch his way out of a paper bag right now. It, to me, that's it. It's, it's over with. You, you were hanging on the edge of a knife as it was with a guy that may be less talented, less of a stud than some of these other guys with bigger pedigrees, and you played it out, and it's now to me the damage has been done. I could be wrong, but that's, that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, my take is, and I hate this because I, I was so excited early in the season and really like some of the things he does. I think he's a rich man's Heineke. I think he could be an awesome player off the bench for a long time, creating and extending plays, being an athlete, running around. But I think he's going to be an awesome backup at this point. I think the last three weeks, this is what it looks like when you become a backup, essentially. Do you agree on the MGM National Harbor listener lines that uh, what we've seen here the last few weeks tells us what we need to know about Sam Howe Or do you think if you fast forward, look into the crystal ball several years from now, he could not only be a starter in this league, but a good starter here or somewhere else? 800-636-1067 is the number. I guess said more succinctly, is Sam Howe broken forever or just for right now? Grant and Danny on the fan.
8: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela,
9: the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You know what? I think it's a number of things. Like I said, the quarterback position is probably the most scrutinized position in all of football. But collectively, we got to play better as a group. That means I got to do a better job. Guys got to do a better job of executing and playing. And we got to go out and making sure that we're doing everything under the sun. That's going to give us the best opportunity to have success. Um, You know, um, he just didn't play well. And unfortunately, you know, that happens. And it's not like anything that you can put your finger on. Okay. But. On the flip side of that, Jacoby steps in, and he sparks a rally. So the good thing is is that you have a great quarterback room, and those guys do a great job of supporting one another, and those guys are the biggest fans of each other. And obviously it's a tough situation, but I guarantee you, Sam is going to be Jacoby's biggest fan, just as Jacoby was his biggest fan moving forward.
2: Yeah, they're pros, and I agree with the on that. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. We're live at Rudy's Golf in Kingstown, Alexandria. We're taking you up to 6.30 this evening. That was EB today out in Ashburn talking with the media. Uh, That was the most honest we've heard anyone be when he said he just didn't play well. Yeah. Which actually, like, stop lying to me. (laughs) That's right. Just say the thing that we all know. And So that was good to hear. I didn't love the next sentence where he said, we can't put our finger on why. Well, I'd like you to be able to do that. Go do that. But maybe he doesn't want to coach him up in a press conference, Gruden on Griffin style. Like That's okay, too, if, if that's his philosophy, I suppose. Uh, but my guess is they got a pretty good indication behind the scenes as to what's gone wrong and, and why we're here. Do you guys agree that you now need a starting quarterback, though? Or, or are you of the belief still that Sam in week one is a viable answer next year? If you could go into the season planning on him to start it. Hear this before we get to the answers on the phones. You could always say, well, yeah, just start him. It's the first year of a regime. Like, they're not going to be that good anyway, whatever. That's not the point or the debate, really. What I'm saying is, is he a viable option in terms of can you win with him as the starter? If he's your plan in week one next year, is it just a season where you're going to wear it again? for a year while you're figuring out the rest of the roster, or do you still view him as a possible long-term solution? Yes or no? That's really what we're talking about. I I believe that it's now pretty clear that he ideally is going to be a backup long-term in a really good quarterback situation. Sounds like you agree with that. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I want to know if people on the phones do as well. Let's go to Clyde in Virginia on Grant and Danny. What's up, Clyde?
5: Hey guys, how you guys doing? Hope you guys have a nice Christmas. You too, and buddy. happy new year to you. Thank you. This is the thing I feel. I feel that if we had ran the ball, Robinson to me is a thousand yard back. That rookie we got, Rodriguez to me is a thousand yard back, and Ag to me is a thousand yard back. This man, the enemy, don't like to do anything but throw. And he knows, he's got to know, we don't have the best line in the world. But this line can run block. And I'm telling you, if you build up the line, and of course, strengthen the defense, Sam Howell will look like he did when he started the season. I honestly believe that. Yeah, if you can get that USC quarterback, one thing about that USC quarterback that scares me, when they lost a big game, He's in the stands crying with his mom. That, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. I
2: appreciate you. Yeah, a lot of people have taken issue with that. that. That can be a debate for, I don't know, Colin Cowherd or another day on our show. <laughs> um, but we, get, we can cross that bridge when it's necessary. I want to go back to the idea of running the ball more. Uh, well, I agree that hindsight becomes wisdom. Uh, there were a lot of things they could have done better, differently, what have you. Um, There were times in every single game you could go back two, three, four times here or there and say, hey, maybe a run here would have been better, working from the result of a sack or an incompletion or whatever. But uh, there was one guy, really, who in a yards per attempt way was pretty successful this year. That was Rodriguez at almost five yards per carry. Robinson's a good player, averaged 4.2. That's mostly running on really ideal downs. That's mostly like you're ahead of the sticks. It's second and five and you get a carry or, you know, you've thrown it so much that they're mixing in a run at that point. And, and so my point is that's like a friendly, favorable running back situation and you're at 4.2, Gibson at 4.0. So it's not like they've been world-beating running the football necessarily. One of the reasons why they haven't run it a ton is that early in games they haven't had a lot of success. Sometimes they've had more success in the second half like they did – this past week when they were down a bunch with Chris Rodriguez. But, you know, we could do the chicken or the egg thing. Have they not had success because they haven't committed enough? Possibly. But I, the, the idea that, like, the, there's this great run-blocking team and they have three 1,000-yard backs, I would say is a little aggressive. Yeah,
3: the, Antonio Gibson did run for 1,000 yards that time when he got a bunch of carries.
2: That was when he was at his best. Yeah, they, and they, they don't got, have... A third-rounder, a sixth-rounder otherwise. I like B-Rob, I like Chris Rodriguez, and I want to go get a speed guy. It was a nice change of pace. Yeah,
3: there's a misnomer about these guys. You give enough guys enough carries, they'll end up at that total. If you look at success rate, right, which is are your runs effective? Are they getting you closer to first downs? Brian Robinson is behind washed-up backs like Ezekiel Elliott. Is behind uh, you know Devin Singletary and Zach Charbonnet and, and a, a bunch of other guys. He's in the mid-30s in terms of running backs in terms of success rate. He's not special. I like the guy a lot. He's tough as nails, and I want more Brian Robinsons on the planet, frankly, after what he's overcome. But – it's, it's not this remarkable thing that fans think it is. The offensive line is not a particularly good run-blocking unit either. So it's not just this magic cure-all to just, quote, run the ball. If you can run it, great. By all means, run it great. Run it all the damn time. Whatever's effective, you can do that. But the idea that this was just this missing link and all they had to do was call a few more traps and uh,
2: duos, I think is a misnomer. The question at hand, though, is do you see Sam Howell now as a long-term backup in a great quarterback situation, or do you still view him... As a starter, uh, even despite these last few weeks, can he overcome this and get back to playing at a high level? Mo is in D.C. on Grant and Danny. Hello, Mo. How are you?
7: I always enjoy y'all shows. How y'all doing? Good, buddy. Doing great. Thank you. Hey, so I don't, we don't need to go too far back. So there was a game uh, when we played the Dolphins where two played against us and the coach Flores put in Fitzpatrick uh, so that he could spark a comeback. It's the same trajectory that, that Sam is on. Now, I'm not saying that uh, Sam is going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm not even saying Tua is going to be a Hall of Famer. What I'm saying is is that he has the prerequisite skills and the intangibles to be a starter in the league and a, and a long-term solution when the pieces around him are right. But the caveat of when the pieces around him are right is for every quarterback in the league. I mean, every quarterback in the league needs pieces around him. The only mm-hmm. one I think did it with, with subpar, uh Tyler was great, but then when he got Randy Moss, he threw 50, 50 touchdowns. <laughs> That's but, right. You know, you, you need you need the the, the, the and you need an O line. So I think the the failure you can't judge Sam because this coaching staff is ridiculous. The failure of Ron Rivera was that he deconstructed the O line that was all right, and until he gets the time to develop behind a good offensive line, we don't know if he's going to be good or not.
2: So I think the two is really good, actually. I appreciate you. Uh, I mean, look, nothing's analogous and perfect in one-to-one or anything. But the idea, I was saying, who, who's the guy that was getting jerked around and benched and it looked like it was going sideways and then he rebounded? Two is a great answer. Now, I happen to believe that he's mostly created by Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Mike McDaniel and, and that you know a lot of guys would have the success he's having. But he's also proven to be pretty good now. Mm -hmm. Like, he he went from, oh, my God, this is terrible, to last year he led the league in touchdown percentage and yards per attempt and yards per completion, quarterback rating, and a bunch of things. So that is a a very good comp. He was obviously a top-five pick, whereas Sam Howe was a fifth-round pick, so the the talent isn't quite the same maybe between the two players. But I I like that answer a lot, it kind of works to what we're talking about. Who's to blame for what happened with Sam Howe? A month into the season – a lot of people thought maybe Washington found something here. Two months into the season, I think a lot of fans were buying his jersey and saying Sam Howell's the guy. And here we are now, they're afraid to play him because they say it's going to be throwing you know, meat into a lion's den because the 49ers are good and he's broken. How did we get here and who is to blame? Next on Grant and Danny on the Fan.